Our simple chalice flame greets us once more. Its light can help us explore what really matters to us in life. Its warmth reminds us that being in community is of value. Its single flame tells us that at our deepest level, we are all one, connected by the web of existence that holds us all. So welcome everybody to Essex Church, where this liberal religious community of Kensington Unitarians has its spiritual home. Something guided us all here this morning. For visitors, well, that may well have been a Google map which showed you which road to take next. For some of us, it will have been a sense of commitment to this place and this people, perhaps, or to our own spiritual search. For some, it might have been a need to get out and do something, to be somewhere. Our reasons for being here, or indeed for listening to this service as a podcast sometime in the future, will be as many and as varied as there are people listening. So I invite you to take a conscious breath now, to acknowledge that you are here now, each with our own life stories, our joys, our concerns. And let's hold the possibility that love has guided us here this day and will have messages for us to hear if we can open ourselves to the whispers of our hearts and of our higher selves and to the gentle guidance of life itself. Welcome, welcome one and all. I invite you to join in a time of reflection and prayer. As I call on the divine spirit of life and love to be with us now and to bless all that we say and do together here this day. May ours be a house of welcome, a place where people can be themselves, can feel safe in being who they are, Safe to follow our own thoughts wherever they lead. Safe to believe whatever we must. And safe to share whatever is on our minds and whatever is in our hearts. May ours be a community where people are encouraged to take risks and explore more deeply. May ours be a church where we can acknowledge our vulnerable and wounded places. Where opportunities for healing and acceptance occur. And may ours be a way of being that encourages one another to think more fully, more justly, more kindly. And in that spirit, let's take a few moments in stillness now to direct our thoughts and prayers to those in need this day, especially perhaps those whose lives are caught up in the turmoil of our world's troubled places.
And may our love and our care and our concern actually make a difference in this world, this day and all days. Amen. I have such a sweet story uh, to tell you. It's called Meeting God. It's adapted from a story written by Megan McKenna and on a website she said that this was a story that had been told to her by a young boy. Once upon a time, as all the best stories begin, there was a little boy who'd heard about God for so long that he decided that it was time to go and look for God himself. And thinking that the journey might be long, he found an old rucksack that was his dad's and he stocked up on ginger beer, chocolate biscuits and crisps and then he set off without telling his mother where he was going. He was about six years old. Now he hadn't gone very far when he felt a little bit tired, decided to rest for a while and there was a park and he soon found a bench to sit on. There was only one other person in that park an old, old woman sitting on that bench. So he climbed up beside her. And the two sat there, as you sometimes can quite happily on park benches, not saying anything for a while. Then he turned to her and asked her if she was thirsty. She smiled and nodded. So out came that ginger beer. They shared it and sat in silence. Then they ate the crisps and the chocolate biscuits and they finished the beer. And they were together for about an hour. And she didn't say anything at all. She just smiled at him every once in a while. So he talked. He told her stories of his mum and dad, brothers and sisters, his first year at school, his pets, everything. Then time passed and he thought of his mother back at home. He realised then that she'd be furious at him for going off without telling her, so he decided he'd better set off back. He got down off the bench, he picked up his empty bag, they'd finished everything... He said goodbye to the old woman and turned to go away. He took a few steps and stopped. He thought to himself, she's such a lovely smile, I want to see it again. So he turned around, he ran up to her, put his arms around her, gave her a big hug and a kiss. Her face broke out into that magnificent smile. He smiled back and headed home. Well, imagine what his mother was like when he got home. She was waiting at the door. Where were you? I told you never to go off without telling me. Where have you been? We've been so worried. He looked at her and he smiled broadly. Oh, you didn't have to worry. I spent the afternoon in the park with God. Taken aback, his mother speechless. And he continued thoughtfully. You know, I never thought she'd be so old and so quiet and so thirsty. (laughs) Meanwhile, the woman had got up slowly from her bench, picked up her cane, headed for home. Her son, about 45 years old, was waiting for her, frantic. Mother, how many times do I have to tell you? Don't go off on your own without telling me. I've been looking for you everywhere. Where have you been? Her face was radiant. She smiled at him and said, Oh, you needn't have worried. I spent the afternoon in the park with God. Well, her son was stunned and thought to himself, Oh dear, she's been dreaming again. But she continued rather thoughtfully. You know, I didn't expect him to be so young and so talkative and to so love ginger beer. (laughs) And Megan McKenna ends by saying, maybe we can look for God in everyone we meet this week.
some thoughts on the power of imagination. We all have different talents, and it's great when you get the chance to see someone else's talent in action. That happened for us the other week when we went to see a play written and directed by our very own Carolyn Alumnist. I don't want to embarrass her. She's not here. Another play rehearsal. It's getting cocky. But I don't want to embarrass her, so we can anyway. It was fantastic. It was an adaptation of Emily Bronte's story of Moreland Passion, Wuthering Heights, with all the parts played by teenage girls. What impressed us the most about the play was that we didn't have to suspend our disbelief. Though we were in a school drama studio, it took no effort whatsoever to imagine that we were in a cramped farmhouse on the lonely, windswept moors, high above a Yorkshire village back in the 19th century. It is amazing what humans can do, using words to conjure up another world. You perhaps know the story of Wuthering Heights. Written by Emily Bronte, one of three Bronte sisters, all writers, Wuthering Heights is a remarkable novel in all sorts of ways. Written by a reclusive Emily, who died aged only 30 and spent much of her life in her father's parsonage and had seen, seemingly, little of the world. Yet in this, her only published novel, she wrote of passion and vengeance and cruelty and love. Where did her knowledge of such matters stem from but her own imagination? Heathcliff, the central character, is a frighteningly fierce and twisted character, yet readers often remark they feel sorry for him. Born a mixed-race child, orphaned and abandoned in Liverpool, rescued by old Mr Earnshaw and brought to his farm on the moors as his adopted son, terribly mistreated by Earnshaw's own son, loved but then spurned by Catherine, Heathcliff seeks revenge, and thereby, as they say, hangs the tale. Emily Bronte was able to use words to conjure up another world for all of us. She brought her troubled characters to life. Their dramas mirror and magnify the ups and downs of our own lives. As John Milton tells us in Paradise Lost, the mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell a hell of heaven. And what a joy it is to quote Satan on a Sunday morning. We each have the tremendous power of imagination at our disposal, and it makes a difference the use we make of it. And this leads us into the meditative time of our service today. Um, There'll be a few words now to lead us into a time of shared silence and stillness. And we'll sit for a a good few minutes together in silence and stillness. And that will come to an end with a chime from our Tibetan bowl. So find um, a way to be as comfortable as you can be in these chairs. Whatever works best for you. Um, Maybe uh, feeling your feet on the floor or putting down anything that you don't need to hold on to. Perhaps softening your gaze or closing your eyes. Aware as we always are of noises outside in busy London and noises in this room, yet able to turn inwards. As we soften our gaze, we can perhaps also soften our breathing and soften our very thinking process. 
allowing our thoughts to come and go a little more. And as your thoughts come and go in this time of stillness, I invite you to consider the words of what's known the serenity prayer. And I wonder if it has any message particularly for you this day in your life and the way you might choose to be living. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. Well, what does it say now? Some thoughts on living imaginatively. What does this word, imagination, conjure up for you, I wonder? I think of it as um, a remarkable aspect of our humanity, that our minds are creative. That through the use of imagery, through symbol and stories and myths and endless creativity, we can conjure up new worlds and ways of being. We can think new thoughts. We can find new means of expression. I sometimes see the imagination as a vast treasure store which I can explore through dreams, through writing and other forms of creativity. It's there, isn't it, to tap into. And the more I explore my imagination, the more it seems to offer me just as exploring other people's imaginations, be it um, Emily Bronte, William Blake, Milton, or any myriad other great explorers that we have uh, to help us on our journeys. But many of us, I think, will have been stopped at times in life by the attitudes of others, maybe a school exercise in creative writing, marked by a thoughtless and no doubt tired teacher as perhaps a bit too imaginative. And probably most of us know the downside of having an imagination when we lie awake at night, perhaps fearfully imagining hideous physical symptoms or churning over conversations that we could have handled differently. Having an imagination is certainly both a blessing and a curse of being human. And it's an interesting question to ask ourselves, I think, in what ways have I been living imaginatively recently? Today, I want to focus on just one aspect of living a life of imagination, and that is our ability to imagine human existence being different. Some of you know I've been studying what's called systems thinking for a while now. Systems thinking is a way of looking at an, any aspect of human existence as made up of many different elements, all of which are relating with one another. Systems thinking encourages us to look at the connections and the interrelationships between all the different parts of the system. And it also studies some of the interesting features that all systems seem to have in common. 
And one feature of all systems is that once they get established, they have a tendency to stay the same. It's as though they want to stay the same. This is called sometimes homeostasis, and you can observe it all over the place. The natural world is a system, and if we look outside now, we'll see leaves starting to fall from the trees. It happens each autumn. Our education system is a system, and for most students and teachers, but not all, Sunday is a day off. Homeostasis. This way that systems have of staying the same is not necessarily a bad thing. We need some regularity and certainty. The alternative is chaotic. Imagine if I wasn't here on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. What on earth would you all do with yourselves? (laughs) But, and this is a big but... In in most aspects of human existence, if we keep imagining that things can't be changed, if we think that things always have to be as they are, then we are misguided and we may miss the point that, in fact, all life is change. We may then put more of our energy into keeping things as they are than into exploring the unknown possibilities of what next? Once you're in a system, it's very hard to imagine that things might be run differently. Two of my favourite examples come from the world of economics and social justice. Unitarians, as you perhaps know, were at the forefront of the abolition of both slavery and child labour in the 18th and 19th centuries. But there were some prominent Unitarians, kindly and in many ways enlightened, factory and plantation owners who spoke passionately against reform. They just could not imagine that the world economic system could continue to function without the cheap labour provided by children and slaves, both at home and abroad. They promised that economic ruin would destroy everybody's lives if such changes came about. That seems ridiculous to us now, doesn't it? But before we judge them too harshly, we might consider our own lives and the blocks that we imagine are preventing us from changing, because most of us have them in one form or another. And we might also consider our own thinking about the world in which we live today. Does it have to be like this? Our lives are governed by a capitalist economic system that ensures the rich get richer at the expense of the poor who stay poor. A free market will tend to exploit the most vulnerable, be they the poor of our own country or those abroad whose cheap raw materials we seem to depend upon. Capitalism as this system has created a convincing story that both communism and socialism as alternative economic and social systems have failed. Now, I think part of our role as a liberal religious community is to keep holding out the possibility that there are fairer ways to run our world, to remind one another of Gandhi's world that there is enough for everyone's need here on earth, but not enough for everyone's greed. Tim Berners-Lee, inventor of the World Wide Web and one-time Unitarian, who got married here in this very church only a few years ago, he chose to make the internet freely available to everyone 
and most of us now take its free access totally for granted. Yet it might not have been this way. He writes that anyone who has lost track of time when using a computer knows the propensity to dream, the urge to make dreams come true, and the tendency to miss lunch. Well, we too can be the dreamers. And one of my waking dreams keeps asking, might there be something exciting developing in this, our digital age, where networking can make connections beyond national borders, building bridges between divisions, and where human connections cannot be totally controlled by the powers that be? Although, of course, tyrannies the world over are trying to control digital media, as they have always tried to control people's very thinking. I don't know if any of you have been uh, picking up any of the um, interviews with a, a young North Korean writer, Yeonmi Park, this week. She's had a book recently published. Um, she, was, uh, she left North Korea in uh, age 13. She's now in her early 20s and she's just written the story of her life in North Korea, her escape, and then how things have developed for her since. I read one piece from an interview um, in which she described her mother saying, Yonmi, the birds and the mice can hear you thinking. The, no the walls, the very walls, know your thoughts. That's how tyranny works. But can tyrannies control the human spirit? No, no, it cannot. So let's try and live more imaginatively. Let's not be stuck in thinking that says this is how it has to be. Let's imagine a world built on justice and equality and love. We cannot all write world-famous novels or direct exciting plays or invent new systems of communication. Yet by the quality of our living, of our speaking, of our choosing, I think we can make this world a better place to be, and not just for ourselves, but for everyone. May this be so. Amen. Henry David Thoreau writes that this world is but a canvas to our imagination. And so, may we use our powers of imagination wisely in this week ahead. May we be open to the guidance of the Spirit, and may we remain ever open to the possibilities of life being ever more beautiful, ever more just, ever more loving, because of our ways of being in the world. And may this be so for the greater good of all. Amen. Go well and blessed be.